Hello, my name is Corey, and welcome to the RCF Podcast, a place where you can dive deep into what the scriptures say, get caught up on current events, or sit back and listen to topical discussions on life from all ages. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'm going to turn it over to RCF's Pastor James. Welcome back to uh, another week, another time set aside for a quick look. As we continue on on Thursdays together through the book of Philippians, today I want to just take a quick look at verses 12 through 18. And I might just throw out there the idea of a life worth living. A life worth living. And perhaps you won't find it in a dictionary or an encyclopedia or a particular verse. But as I look and I survey a life worth living, may I just throw out there at you it's a life that affects others it's not a life that only affects itself or only thinks about itself but it is a life worth living not only goes through understanding that you have responsibilities and you're doing what you're doing but the hope the expectation and the anticipation of your life to expect to to affect others so Paul is going to talk a little bit about this in this verse um, in a particular hard place because sometimes, you know, we want to, when we win the Nobel Peace Prize or we invent something amazing, we want that to be the part of our life that affects others. But Paul's going to be a little strange. You know, it, it is kind of uh, well looked upon in Christianity now because of, because of the scriptures and, and the testimony that Jesus and history has given about those who live sacrificially for the Lord. But it, it wasn't to everybody in Paul's day. But he had the expectation that it would be. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. <laughs> so that it has been become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest, so everybody kind of around this whole jail, this, this place where he's being kept, that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren, not all, because we find out in other epistles, like Timothy and others, that people sometimes left Paul, abandoned the ministry because of hard times, or, or maybe they just didn't think that that's the way God would do it, to have his, to have his guys go to jail. But... But for right now, Paul is saying, you know, look, most of the brethren, picking back up in verse 14, in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfishness, selfish ambition, excuse me, Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love. Knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So Paul had a single-hearted passion, and it was to live for Jesus. And next week, we'll, we'll get into that some more as Paul's life to live was, 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 was good. To live was Christ, but to die was actually better because not only would he serve the Lord, but 
to be with the Lord is better than even being here and serving him. Anyways, I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's for next week. Paul here, he he clearly states, look, you know, these things are going on. I'm serving the Lord. He is first in my life. But he had the expectation that as he did that, that would impact others. Couldn't always guess how it would impact others. Some it caused to stumble. But in this case, in this time in his life, as he's writing to the Philippians, he said most of the brethren, they become confident. Amazing. Amazing. So at this point in Paul's life here, as we as we reach the, I don't know, we're going to go out somewhere around 63 AD when he's writing this letter. You know, Paul had been been around the block and he'd seen a lot in his couple decades of ministry. Beaten, shipwrecked, multiple missionary journeys around the known world, landing in Europe, in Israel. He had this special calling to the Gentiles. You know, as he would say, Peter, you know, he's an apostle to the circumcision, to the Jewish nation, and that's wonderful. But I've got an apostleship, a, a calling. I'm a sent one to the Gentiles, the rest of the world. And in case you haven't experienced this, let Paul be a reminder. The world is hostile to the truth of the gospel. So as he proclaimed it with boldness and in truth, many things would happen to him along the way. And he said, you know, these things that have happened to me, the beatings, the stonings, the shipwrecks, the friends abandoning him, the difficulties, sometimes going without food or clothing or needs. You know, he, he tells the Corinthians about that. He said, you know, most of the people, when I tell them about my life, when I share the Jesus that I serve, and they look at some of the hardships, but also some of the blessings, they're spurred on to follow the Lord more. And sometimes you say, well, you know, I've never been shipwrecked. Perhaps I'll never be specifically stoned for the gospel. John chapter 6 has always been an encouragement to me in this. As you see Jesus being betrayed by friends, his teachings being made in front of disciples leaving and never coming back, you see across the gospels, that sometimes his family thought he was out of his mind because he hadn't eaten and he was continuing serving God. That perhaps some of these physical ways, maybe not even in jail, but there are things we experience from our family and our friends or even those maybe in the church that as we seek to serve Jesus, it brings persecution. It brings hardship. And as we do it, and make sure, you know, it's for the Lord, we can be persecuted for being foolish. That's no problem. I've managed that lots of times in my life. But we want it to be for Jesus' sake. And when it is, and that fruit is born in your life, have the expectation and the anticipation of God using that to spur others on. It won't spur everyone on. But many will be encouraged by what God has done in your life, even if it has brought difficulty. Paul, you know, being in this place, and perhaps it was kind of like a glorified house rest. Um, there were times when he was actually in a hole in the ground in prison. 
They said, you know, the palace guard, those who, who were keeping guard, they didn't just say, well, this is just an idiot who's thrown away his life for some fictional character. But even the palace guard, part of the, you know, the Rome, they could look and say, you know what? This guy serves the truth, whether they would submit to it or not. They would know that his chains were in Christ. And it would impact them, many coming to Jesus. And as people in the churches would hear, they would be strengthened to serve the Lord more, more passionately. We recently heard from a, a lady from the Middle East who grew up um, in a Muslim home, and she started off as a Muslim, and then Jesus had visited her one day. And she would become a Christian, and she would suffer a great deal for that, having to flee her own country, her own family, her own people for fear of her life. And now she goes around and shares, and, and you say, well, how can that be a good thing? Well, there's a lot of things that aren't good, but God works them for the good. And she strengthened our faith, and she strengthens others' faith to share, you know, the things that happened to me, the hard things, the bad things. They've turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, and, and it, strengthened, it strengthened my faith. It strengthened others' faith. That no matter whether we ever live to that level or not, or experience that kind of trouble or not, that what we do have today and going forward, we can do maybe just a little bit more bold to share the word without fear. Then he goes on to say, you know, 15, uh, 15 and 16 there, uh, talking about a group that would even try to rub salt in the wound to hurt Paul more. He said they would begin to kind of mockingly or just, just begin, oh, you know, begin to actually, you know, share, share the Lord. It wasn't with uh, true intention. And Paul, <laughs> that doesn't bother me a bit. Go for it. I don't care if it's in pretense or truth. Make sure you're preaching Jesus. And if you're doing it to hurt me, you ain't hurting me a bit because they're hearing about Jesus. You know, sometimes we got to remember that, you know, we, we like to be like Jesus' disciples. Hey, man, there's somebody over there baptizing Hey, there's somebody over there telling about you. Should we go knock and get and tell them to knock it off? Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. There, you know, there are certain lines where we, we love to make sure that everybody's in our particular camp or our particular group. Analyze what they're saying. You know, truth, we, you know, you can't let truth go. Not a relative thing. But if they're speaking truth. Um, let that impact how you respond. Let that impact how you respond. Because it impacted how Paul responded in his heart. Now, maybe he would go try to shut it down. Maybe, you know, that may be. But as far as his heart towards the Lord, his ability to love and praise the Lord and, and, and build up one another, it, it, didn't, it didn't tear him down for a moment. He was able to process it. I hope that you are able to as well. Don't let them try to add affliction, but yeah, rather let it be a furtherance of the gospel type of moment. So as he closes this last paragraph here, and as we'll close with our time together today, he points out that, yeah, one was sharing from selfish ambition and not, so, not uh, sincerely. They were trying to, you know, add affliction to what Paul was going through. But he said there was another group out there doing it out of love. And here in verse 17, it, it, looks and it looks at and highlights the fact that these guys were lives that were impacted. 
You know, we play that song that we love, you know, I am a life that is changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. And it, you know, it goes through Sunday school teachers and it goes through all those people that God has brought into our life to impact it. These guys who are doing it out of love, they, they did it knowing, Paul said, they did it out of love knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Not just Paul's actions or being in prison. But they could see the calling of God in Paul's life. I think back to when my wife got saved. A young mom, a debatably good husband. (laughs) She began to go to church as her aunt would invite her. And she looked around knowing that she wanted something different from her life. She saw women, moms her age, some older, some younger. Some in, you know, a better state in life and some in worse. But they had something that she wanted. She could recognize there was something going on in those ladies' lives and hearts that was different. And she wanted it. And she would eventually find out that that was Jesus Christ. She'd come to find out the power of the gospel. And it changed her life. The power of someone knowing what God is or has done in your life, not just by word, because it needs to be by word, but also by action, by visibly being able to see there's something going on here. And I hope that that light shines a little brighter in your life, that you're just a little bit more of a city on a hill today, not a covered bushel. You know, we, we teach our little kids, you know, to, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm not going to cover it, hide it with a bushel, no. And sometimes as adults, we, be, we begin to walk past that. We don't think about that anymore. That's just kind of childish stuff. I've got bills and problems, and I need one more cup of coffee. But not to be the case. God desires to mature you into a servant of his that not only has an amazing relationship with him, but a life that is and has the expectation and anticipates affecting the lives of others. And it may come through coaching. It may come through parenting. It may through come through teaching. There's a myriad of ways that it may come about in your life. And if you don't have it, perhaps ask if God would open that door and make it clear for you. And finally, he said, in every way, you know, responding to this in verse 18 says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. So as this comes about, as you seek to do this, as you let this truth of God's word sink into your heart, I pray that it is an addition of joy in your life. Because it's easy for us to move on to one more anxiety, one more moment of question, or to not stop and rejoice that you are a part of the, the poem, the masterpiece, the good works created in Christ Jesus that bring about the proclamation of the gift of God to humanity, his demonstration of love. And we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in that. I will never be Billy Graham, but I know that in my life, somewhere along the line, 
perhaps maybe not even until heaven, someone will, the, the words of that old song will ring true, that someone will come and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for not only being a life that has changed, but impacting my life and, and changing my life. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. God bless you guys. We'll see you again next week as uh, we'll take uh, another quick look continuing on the book of Philippians. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.